0: Good morning, my friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to Morning Glory, our midweek Bible study. I'm so glad that you're here today. I want to invite you to grab your Bibles and meet me in Psalm 37, verse 4. Let's talk today about the subject of what we will call unlocking or unleashing heart's desires. But before we jump into the sermon, let's pray first. Heavenly Father. We thank you for your word today. We ask that your Holy Spirit would come and allow there to be an unleashing of heart's desires so that what you have put within the heart of your, of your people can be brought forth for your glory. Now, Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. Let's all agree and say, amen. Praise God. Before we jump into uh, our study today, let me share some good news Uh, This is, of course, the week of the Feast of Tabernacles. Let me say thank you to everybody that is sowing a special tabernacle dream seed into the work of the Lord here. And I'm believing and praying that God's going to touch your seed and give you a very, very special harvest that literally your harvest will be miraculous. Praise God. And I'm praying and believing God for you in that area. And let me also say a big, big, Thank you to everybody that sold into the project of the new cinema camera. Let me uh, put a few images up on the screen for you to look at. Uh, The first image you're seeing is the camera. Praise the Lord, my friends, we have it. And uh, it's the uh, Leica SL2S. And it's the newest, the latest, and greatest from Leica. Here's another image a little bit closer up. And uh, here's a third image. Whenever you buy a package deal. You get a better price. Uh, so when you get the body and if you also purchase the lens and we have a specialty lens, you kind of uh, you get some free bonus things that they'll put in. So we got the package and also on this next image, you'll see that we were able to get some accessories that will be useful when we're out in the field, when we get out of the studio and we're out in the field if we're traveling internationally or some special places that we want to take it to then we can uh, make use of the new Sennheiser mic and uh, everything's recorded in stereo and some other extras for uh, just things that we can plug into when we are out and about with this. I want to say thank you from my heart for your giving and your love and care of the ministry. And I believe that the principle that King David laid down is still true today. And this is what David said after they had conquered the enemy who had taken off with all of their stuff and they got it all back and now they have spoiled and this is what David said but as his part is who goes down to the battle so shall his part be who stays by the supplies they shall all share alike so it was from that day forward he made it a statute and an ordinance for Israel to this day And you might think, well, Pastor Stephen, this is wonderful. You're going to be able to reach so many people and speak the good news of Jesus Christ to so many people. Let me just say that without your help, uh, I couldn't really reach uh, hardly anybody. Uh, I'm very limited in what I can do. But through your partnership and your giving, your love, your prayers, your support, uh, the way that you step in there. Whenever we have special projects, especially the way you just knock the ball out of the park, my friends, we all share in the rewards together. It's not like we're going to get to heaven and, uh, you know, God's piling all kinds of rewards on me. And you're standing over there in the corner saying, I'm happy for Pastor Stephen, but all I got is a saltine cracker. No, no, we will share together. And all of the fruit that's produced out of this ministry, because I cannot do it by myself. I need you. I need my online church members. I need my ministry partners and uh, those that just would have a heart to be a blessing. I tell you, working together, we can do a lot for God's honor, for the glory of his name. And thank you for helping us to tackle that project. And by the way, look what I have on my desk today. This is it, my friends, right here. This is the new Leica SL2S. Uh, This is designed by Leica for uh, videography, and it's a cinema camera. It's kind of heavy. I'm looking a little shaky with it, but this is actually cast out of a solid solid block of aluminum, and it's uh, it's built like a tank, and uh, we're going to be able to squeeze a lot of usage out of this video camera. Next time you see me on Wednesday morning. Morning glory, you will be looking through the lens of this camera. Woo, praise the Lord. Pastor Stephen, what's it going to look like? Well, from what I've seen a, a few other people that are using it, it's going to look really nice. And there's something about Leica is that uh, you can get a bunch of photographers together and you could put portraits on the wall or images that have been shot with high resolution cameras. And you can't really tell the difference between, as you're looking at the pictures, you can't really tell the difference between something that was shot with a Canon or say like a a Sony camera or a Nikon camera. But if you have well-trained people, they can look at an image. And if if it were shot with a Leica, they can immediately say, that one was taken with a Leica camera. And there's something about the Leica which is made in Germany, they have figured out the magic of it. And that that magic that some people call it in industry, the the color magic, it's really color science. And they have got it dialed in in a very special way. And uh, this is a cinema uh, camera designed for video. And I'm just so happy that we have this piece of nice equipment in Studio B. So the next time on Morning Glory, you'll be seeing me through the new camera lens. Praise God. And we've also done some things recently to spruce up the audio. And before too much longer, we're going to take the audio from analog into digital so that we have the cleanest audio possible. You know what I really believe? I believe that sometimes our greatest enemy is good what do you mean by that, Pastor Stephen? Well, sometimes it's so easy just to settle for good when God really wants us to have the best. And I believe that when it's for Him and for His purpose and for His glory, that it should be the best because it's for the honor and the glory of the Lord. So again, thank you so much for helping us to be able to broadcast at a high level of excellence. And I so appreciate your support. Praise God. Now, let's take our Bibles and jump over to the message today. I'm going to be teaching out of Psalm 37, verse 4, which you probably actually wouldn't surprise me one bit if you actually have it memorized. It's a very easy verse to memorize. I think anything's easy to memorize when it touches your heart. It's not like a mental exercise of trying of trying to uh, retain scripture or what we would call scriptural memorization, which is good. But when something gets in your heart, you don't even have to try to memorize it. You just are able to recall it. Praise God. Let's take a look at it. Verse four, delight yourself also in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Well, I like it that it's not just a singular desire, but there is desires plural. So you can have one and have it checked off the list. And then maybe there's Something else, and uh, you could move towards that, and eventually that one will come to pass as well. But I think it's important to realize that these desires that are in our heart, the the true ones that don't go away, that stick around, and that really uh, touch you in a very deep area of your of your of your drive and who you are and so forth. Those desires actually. They originate from God, and it's something that God wants to do in your life, and I think that as we submit these desires to the Lord, and we line up motives the right way, I believe that we can unleash these heart's desires if there are a few things that we can get in agreement with God concerning, and everything lines up just right, then it is amazing I'll be honest. It is amazing how fast God can answer prayers in the area of heart's desires when things are lined up right. And that's why I want to discuss this today. Now, first of all, concerning your heart's desire, you have to know with a certainty that what you're wanting God to do for you is in harmony with scripture. In other words, it's not something that's unbiblical, unbiblical. It's not something that's illegal. It's not something that would, um, uh, you know, hurt your neighbor or your brother or some, or some in the Lord or something like that. It's it should be something that's good. Every single thing about it is good, and that's what we want to first of all get ironed out. Now, I I know from the most part, I'm speaking to believers that you've already got a great grasp on that, so this is not like you have to go back to uh, ground zero and start all over again. You've already got that down. It has to be in harmony with God's word. It has to line up with scripture. Praise God. Now, second, and this is big, you have to get it ironed out within your heart. This question, is it God's will for me? And I think sometimes that the, the only way that you can settle this is through meditation on the word, not trying to rush through and just find a scripture that will validate your cause or, you know, that can give you ammunition for what you believe, but you really have to dig and meditate and wait on the Lord and find out now, Lord, this is good. This is biblical. This is scriptural, but is this your will for me? Let me give you an example. And we, from this example, we could branch off into many different, uh, you know, other types of examples. But in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, Jesus said, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. So this is a a global outreach of taking the gospel to all of the world. And there's a million different ways you can do it. I remember uh, a pastor friend of mine, and he and I are still good friends today. And he told me about the time that he went to a minister 's conference, and one of the speakers talked about how uh, he got a bus and he once he got the bus, he went out and picked up all the little kids, and they all came to church and eventually he 's picking up uh, you know fifty or sixty kids uh, kids, and then there 's more and more, and he got more buses and more buses and he ended up if i 'm correct with like over a hundred buses and they 're all packed out and they 're bringing kids in uh, to church and eventually. Uh, Some of their parents get saved and, you know, the church is growing and so forth. Well, this pastor friend of mine heard that story and he went out and he financed a bus and he got a bus because, uh, you know, we're, we're supposed to evangelize and win the lost. And he got out there with that bus and drove it all over the place. And not one kid would ever get on that bus. He said, we gave out free candy. We, we gave out, uh, uh, we tried to give out all kinds of stuff and nobody would get on the bus And then he prayed to the Lord about that situation, and the Lord said, I never called you or instructed you to bring forth a bus ministry. And the Lord said, I had anointed him and assigned him to do that, but that's not what I have called you to do. And I think, my friends, in these areas, we have to be really careful. Uh, There's another minister that I I really esteem. He's uh, older in the Lord, and he talked about the time when he went to... Uh, Now, that's not his home country. It's a long ways from his home country. But he went to Japan and he ministered. And when the the Japanese people heard his teaching, uh, many began to weep. They said, we have never heard such uh, uh, expository teaching that unveils the scriptures, that gives us understanding of God's will and God's plan for our lives. And uh, uh, they, they said, please, you must establish an outreach of your ministry here in our country. So he concludes his meetings. He gets on the plane, and as he's flying back to his home country, uh, he said for nine hours he worked on a detailed plan of how to reach the Japanese people and how to establish the churches there. And so he's just working and taking notes and uh, filling out all kinds of information of what he's going to do. And he rolled around to the 10th hour. And I uh, had never really asked the Lord directly God's will concerning it. And he, he stopped all of his notes and all of his work and said, Lord, um, what it, what do you think about me ministering in Japan? And it was startling. The Lord spoke to him and said, that is not your geographical assignment. Isn't that amazing? Well, Pastor Stephen, Jesus said, go, go into all the world and preach the gospel. yes. But you have to be very selective in how you do that. And the way that you select how you do it is by praying, waiting on the Lord and finding out what your portion of that would entail. Well, now, Pastor Stephen, and we just need to pack our bags and leave America, and we need to get—we just need to get on a plane and get over to Algeria. Pastor Stephen, less than 1% of the population is Christian. All those 99% of the people, they don't know Jesus. Pastor Stephen, I'm quitting my job, and I'm getting on the plane tomorrow. Well, did God tell you to do that? Well, he said, go. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations. Well, he did, but that's the broader assignment that's the great commission. You have to find your place, your role to play in that commission. And just like we read uh, just a little bit earlier with David, uh, there as he was in Ziklag and he, he gets back everything that was stolen and now he has spoils and extra. Uh, David said those that stayed behind and watched the gear, they're going to share in these rewards just like all of us are. In other words, you have those on the front line that fight in a battle, but you you have to have somebody stay back and watch the gear or that could get stolen, okay? Somebody's got to cook food because an army cannot march on an empty stomach, and then you have other things that people are doing uh, back in the camp. So we all have to find our role and our part to play, and that doesn't mean that we have to get on a plane tomorrow and fly to North Korea Try to evangelize. If you do something like that, it's probably going to be a one-way ticket. Or go over to Iran and say, "I'm here to preach the gospel." I know that you guys really need Jesus here. Well, <laughs> you know, uh, you you have to go, but you have to find how God wants you to go. And there are a few that could get on a plane and probably go there. And uh, have an impact. But there are very, very few, and they have to be very smart and very wise in the way that they would go about doing such a thing. So, my friends, number one, we need to know concerning the heart's desires is it in harmony with Scripture? Does it line up perfectly with God's Word? Okay. And number two, is it God's will for you? Well, I, I saw somebody else doing it. I'd like to do that. That's good, and it could be a wonderful thing. It could be a, it could even be a kingdom-building type thing. But did did God let you know that that's part of your inheritance, or is it just one of many things that are kind of floating around in your soulish realm that you would like to do, but it's not really a God-originated, where the seed comes from God, and that's why you have that burning desire to see it accomplished. the, the true heart's desires are put in you from the father. Praise God. And God had it planned out before you were ever born that you would eventually step into this through obedience and through faith and through trusting him. But my friends, you have to know that this is what God wants you to do. Not maybe just because your best friend could do it. And it's easy sometimes to get caught up doing even, even good things because maybe that's what's popular, Yes, Pastor Stephen, you need, to, you need to stop preaching, and you need to go out and become a social justice warrior. Well, uh, there, there does need to be justice, and there are social issues that can certainly be improved upon, but the bottom line is, what does it matter if we, have, uh, uh, if we expand socially and we have better forms of justice, but then nobody's getting saved? Uh, you're going you're gonna to still end up going to the wrong place? <laughs> right? No matter how uh, much you are for justice, no matter how much you are for uh, social improvements, you know what? If people aren't saved, they're lost. So I have to stay on my assignment. Praise God. Well, I certainly, you know, would encourage those that are called to do other things. And I know that Martin, uh, Martin Luther King, he talked with Billy Graham and said, you know, would you would you kind of also get behind this message or, you know, social justice? And Dr. Graham said, I'm not called to do that. I'm called strictly to preach the gospel. And that's what I have. I have to stay in my lane. And let me say this, this is very important. I remember Dr. DGS Dinakaran talked about one of the visions he had when he was taken to heaven and he was allowed to visit heaven in a vision. And he's walking around heaven and he's, Seen different things and so forth. And he saw a pastor that he formerly knew on the earth. And he said, this pastor was a pastor that was always involved in social issues. He was always involved in social, uh, social type justice. And he was just doing that all the time. And he'd get behind the pulpit and he wouldn't preach salvation. He wouldn't preach Christ. He'd get sidetracked almost all the time on social issues. We have to fix this and we have to reform that. and We have to stand up for this. And he saw him in heaven. And Dr. Denikaran said that preacher came up to him in heaven and said, because I got sidetracked on all of these things that is not the preaching of the gospel. He said, I'm here in heaven and I have very, very little reward. And the reward that I do have does not come from all of these other things that I was out there doing. Because God never assigned me to do that in the first place. I just got caught up in it. You have to watch those things. It's very, very important to designate true heart's desires and that you stay in your lane strictly and you're not pulled out of that. It is true that one of the hardest things to do is just to stay focused upon what God has called you to do and what you're supposed to go after and not deviate from that or get pulled into something that maybe others are doing that you would like, oh, I'd like to, but is that what God has for you? Okay. So we just want to iron all of that out. And those two things, particularly the second one, the second one of, is this God's will for you? Those can really um, cause a delay in the release of a heart's desire, because sometimes Christians, they don't know. And if you don't know, it's going to hold up that uh, true heart's desire. Now, what I would like to do now is move into what I would call the third phase. And if you can get this one checked off, let's say the first one's good to go. It's it's completely in harmony with scripture. There's even other scriptures that verify it, back it up, so you're good to go on that. You have you have the green check mark, okay? And then you get to the second one, and you really realize after prayerfully meditating on the word, spending time with God, that this is something that God has planned for you this is something that he wants for you to step into now of course uh wisdom is also it's not just getting a revelation of that but it's also hanging out with the lord so that you get further revelation that not only is this what he does have for you but what's the timing and that's that's an area that sometimes people get troubled uh they get into trouble because they catch the initial revelation that yes God does have that on the agenda for them. And it's very exciting when you really know that. But then you have to not just go rushing, trying to rush into it. You have to wait until it comes into fruition so that you step into it without strain or struggle, but you go in literally at the right time because going at the wrong time can just the consequences of that can be almost as bad as going into something that you're not even called to go into. So you have to go into the right thing and you have to go into it at the right time. Woo, praise God. All right, now, are you ready for the third one? And this is the one I want to really uh, dig into today. Uh, This is something I'd like to share from you, excuse me, share with you that would be more from the secret place. I think the first two uh, things that a person has to go over, I think uh, you can get those covered. But the third one, Oh my goodness, it seems to elude us so easily, and you're really going to have to uh, go before the Lord on this one so that you get to the nitty-gritty of what uh, this is all about. I want to talk about that next. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Now, praise the Lord. Thank you. Let me get a drink of water real quick. Okay. Here's the third one. This is something that you're going to have to get settled so that your heart's desire can get unleashed and flow and come into your life. So let me ask you this question. Do you want your heart's desire because it will make you happy? And of course it will, right? Do you want your heart's desire because it's going to make you happy? Or do you want it because it's going to bring glory to the Lord? Hmm. Well, now, Pastor Stephen, I haven't really thought about it from that aspect. It's it's easy just to think about, this will make me happy. God, do this for me because this will make me so happy. And God, you said in your word, uh, Psalm 37, verse 4, that you give us the desires of our heart. So God, do this because it's desire, and it will make me so happy. And so it's easy for a Christian to get focused on the fact that, yes, it is God's will, Uh Uh, yes, it is for them, and yes, it will certainly make you happy, but you're never going to see it really come forth the way God wants to bring it forth unless you get it ironed out. Will this bring God glory, or is it just for my enjoyment and my happiness? Wow. Look, anytime a heart's desire comes forth, it's it's not like you could hide it i mean it's going to make you happy and people will most likely notice it so you have to get you have to get this third one ironed out is it just simply for your enjoyment or is it solely for the glory of god well i want it for myself i'm not really interested in what god thinks about it that's why so few actually have genuine heart's desires that they can see, touch, handle, and say, look what God did. Wow. Let's talk about this from a different aspect. Same, uh, same uh, flow. I want to give an example. Why? Think about this. Why does God heal a sick person? Well, he heals them because, uh, they're in faith. Yes, yes, yes. But, um, That's just, uh, you know, the consequences still. That's just like a, uh, or the healing is still just a consequence. What's the cause? Why is God doing this? Why does God heal a sick person? Well, Pastor Stephen, he does it to relieve their pain, to relieve their suffering, and to remove that work of the devil out of their life. Yes, yes. But that's not the primary reason. Actually, it's not even close to being the primary reason. Um, well, then Pastor Stephen, what in the world could it be? Let's keep digging. Let's keep digging. Uh, this, was, this was almost 30 years ago when this happened to me. Um, I was in my, you know, I was in my 20s and I went to see my pastor. And because I, I knew him pretty well. And uh, maybe you could call me like a protege and uh, you know, he's the mentor. Well, I went to the church. I went back to his study, to his private office. And he said, come on in brother Brooks. And I sat in the chair. And when I sat down and looked across his desk and looked at his face, I could, uh, for the first time, cause I just had walked in, I could see that he was troubled about something and uh, just seemed maybe frustrated Not in the flesh, but just something was really, it bothered him. I said, Hey, Pastor, what's going on? He goes, Oh, Brother Brooks. He goes, I don't know what to think about it. I said, Well, can you tell me what what happened? He said, Well, Brother so and so, who used to come to the church a whole lot, he backslid and went back out into the world and just kind of went wild. And during all of his escapades, during his wild, uh, you know, running around, he got AIDS. And he was tested at the hospital, and it came up positive. They said, you have AIDS. And my friends, even today, as you know, if you get AIDS, there's no cure. There are drugs that they can give that will slow it down. But it's still lethal. Well, this was, you know, like almost 30 years ago. So uh, he's now got AIDS. And the pastor told me that he came to the church and he repented. And he said, I want God to heal me after all, every sick person does right Nothing wrong with that. And so the pastor said, I prayed for him. I laid my hands on him and prayed for him in the name of Jesus. And he said, the anointing of God, the power of God, the anointing of the Holy spirit went into that man's body. And I knew that God had healed him. And, Uh, He went back to the doctor. They retested him again, and they said, you don't have AIDS. You don't have AIDS. You're totally negative. And I said, well, isn't that all good, Pastor? Isn't that all good? He goes, well, he goes, I thought so. He said, Brother Brooks, it wasn't long after that. He left the church again. And with his now healthy, strong body, Went right back out there into the world. Went right back into all of his running around and acting wild and stuff like that. And he said, "It just it's left me, it's left me frustrated. It's left me questioning. You know, uh, should I even have prayed for him in the in the first place?" So I want you to think about this just for a moment. Let's say, for example, you have a person who's a Christian and they they get a diagnosis that they're terminally sick and they're going to die. And there's, there is no medical cure. And you ask the person, um, do you want God to heal you? Oh yes. I believe in God's healing power. And I do too. Okay, good. All right, good. Now, why do you want God to heal you? Well, I, I, I want him to heal me so I can, I can live. I, I, I mean, honestly, who wants to die? Who wants to go to an early grave, right? Everybody wants to live their life out even when life is tough, you still, you don't want to die. You just want to keep on going and get through it. So a person would say, well, I I want to, I want to be healed so I can live. I don't want to die. Maybe they have a spouse and children and so forth, and they want to raise the kids and they want a normal life. Nothing wrong with that. So they, they want healing for their own purpose. I can understand that. But what does God want? What does God want out of this? Well, let me ask you this. Do you want the healing just so you can live a longer life? I mean, stop and think about Hezekiah, right? Good old King Hezekiah got sick, and the prophet Isaiah came to him and said, put your house in order. You're going to die. And trust me, if Isaiah showing up saying that, yeah, <laughs> you're going to die. There is you're, you're, no doctor's going to get you out of this one. It's over with. But Hezekiah wept, and he cried out, turned his face to the wall, and said, oh, God, and began to have a heart-to-heart talk with God. And before Isaiah could leave the courtyard of the, uh, of the, of the kingly area, the Holy Spirit spoke to him and said, go back, tell him, I'm going to give him this, this many more years to live. Well, Pastor Stephen, that's wonderful. Well, is it wonderful for Hezekiah because he got to live a little bit longer and eat some more food and breathe some fresh air and enjoy his life of royalty? I mean, after all, he blew it pretty bad when the kings of Babylon were not the kings, but the uh, the envoy from Babylon came later with their princes, kind of really wanting to spy out what all do you have around here. And he showed them every single treasury and storehouse he had, and they left, and they're smacking their chops, thinking we're going to overthrow this kingdom soon, take all of that wealth for ourselves. Blew it real bad. If he'd have just died, gone on to be with the you know be with the Lord, gone on to paradise. That never would have happened. But not only that, because he had 15 more years, he had another son named Manasseh. Sound familiar? Perhaps, it could be debated, but perhaps the most rotten king ever to rule over Israel. Now, Now, it is true that Manasseh eventually repented and returned back to the Lord. It's funny how having a hook put through your nose and being hauled off to a prison in another foreign land and being completely humiliated, stripped naked, just kind of makes you think, you know what? I was a little bit arrogant. I got a little bit prideful. Yeah, you sure did. And he was sent back to Israel and he actually got his throne back, but he had done so much. Now God forgave him, but he had done so much to corrupt the national identity of the people that uh, the people were so far gone it was just hard to turn the ship around so you know you you could argue that uh, hey you know if he hadn't been if if the king hezekiah hadn't been healed that never would have happened well it did happen so we can't really you know the water is gone beneath the bridge we can't get it back but i'm just saying you want to be healed we all want to be healed we all want to be in health but do we want to be healed so that god can be glorified Or do we want to be healed just so that we can get back to doing what we like to do? Hmm. Do you want your heart's desire so that you can be happy? Yes. Yes. That's all I'm interested in, Pastor Stephen. Or do you want your heart's desire so that God can receive glory every time you look at it, every time somebody sees you with it, or whatever the case might be? Would you rather God receive glory? Or is it all about just us, us, us? Yes, God, give me a heart's desire. God, heal me. How about this one? Why does God save you? Well, that's easy now, Pastor Stephen. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. I know the answer to that one. Pastor Stephen, the reason that God saves me is so that I can go to heaven and not burn in hell for all eternity. Well, that that's, um, that's a beautiful thing. Yes. And when you are saved and you're born again, hey, you're moved out of the kingdom of darkness and you're moved into the kingdom of light. Yes, your ticket is stamped. You're on your way to heaven. Praise God. It's a wonderful thing. But is that the only perspective of why God saves a person? Praise the Lord. I think we need to take a look at this verse. Romans chapter 11. Mm-mm. Romans 11, verse 36. Are you ready for this? Now I'm going to help you get your heart's desires unleashed. Woo! Here we go. Verse 36. For of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. Why does God save a sinner when the sinner calls upon him? Well, Pastor Stephen, it says whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Why does God why does God save you though? What's what's his purpose? Yes, he loves you. He doesn't want you to go to hell. But why does he save you? I'll tell you exactly why. For your uh, for his glory. He does it all for his glory. For of him and through him and to him Are all things, including your heart's desires, to whom be glory, be glory, be glory forever. We have to sift through why we want what we want, why we do what we do. It's better to do a small thing that's done for the glory of God than to do a big thing that's announced by everybody and talked about by everybody, but it's for your glory. It's all about you. It makes you happy. Yeah. Why? Why? Why do we do what we do? What is the motive for receiving the heart's desire? Let me read this to you from the New Living Translation. Again, Romans 11 verse 36. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. For everything comes from him and exists by his power and is intended for his glory. All glory to him forever. Let me read it one more time. For everything comes from him and exists by his power and is intended for his glory. Everything is intended for his glory glory. And if you're willing to talk it over with the Lord concerning your heart's desire and say, Lord, let this thing be for your glory. Oh, yes, Lord. It's something, of course, I would really like. It certainly kind of burns within me. And yes, Lord, it's something I desire. But Lord, let it be for your glory. Now, 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 you have God's attention, <laughs> because that's what He wants out of it. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I went to a a, a certain vehicle dealership uh, some months back, and um, saw a particular vehicle, and I went into the uh, to the sales room, and uh, I said, I want to speak with the salesman. They gave me the best salesman there at the dealership, very large dealership, hundreds and hundreds of vehicles. And um, I said, Hey, that, that vehicle out there, um, I'm interested in that. He said, Oh, that one. He said, yeah, every guy that works here is interested in that one. If, if there were a dream vehicle that any of these guys could pick, that they could just have a dream, dream vehicle. They've all said, that's the one. I said, yeah. I said, I can see why. He said, that's the one you want. I said, I'm interested in it. He said, let's see what we can do. And so we worked together. Long story short, I I was able to get my heart's desire vehicle. Oh, Pastor Stephen, you must be so happy. You must, everywhere you go, you must be so proud about what you were able to do. No, no. Now I am happy. Yes. it, It makes me happy, but it's not for my somehow because I'm so good or something like that. No, it's all for his glory. Everywhere I go in it, everywhere I get out and somebody, usually a guy says, man, that's, that's, that's sharp ride. I say, the Lord blessed me with this vehicle. Oh, no, 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 Pastor Stephen, I'm not, I'm not willing to do stuff like that. Well, then it's all for you. Then it's not for him. That's why a lot of people don't have hearts desires. <laughs> it's, they want to just Lord, Lord, make me a multimillionaire. God's like, well, that's easy. I mean, I, I own all the gold, all the silver, all the catalog, a thousand hills. God can make you a multi Will you give God the glory? Well, now there's no Pastor Stephen, you know um. Well, see, then people start get they start flaking out. They want to consume it all upon themselves. But if you can work this out with the Lord, where it is solely for His glory, doesn't mean that you're not going to enjoy it, because you certainly will. And by the way, hearts' desires, like I said earlier, uh, they can attract attention. But if you will give all the credit, and that's what it means to give the glory to give all the glory to the Lord means to give him absolutely 100% of the credit. If you're willing to do that, God will do crazy things for you. <laughs> He'll give you heart's desires. And, uh, the salesman said, he said, uh, Stephen, he said, that's the finest vehicle we have on the lot. Matter of fact, um, I think there was only one other vehicle that even costs more. And that one, the one that cost more, I think was some kind of a, Vehicle that that had over 800 horsepower, and I, I don't need something crazy like that. But uh, it was a it was a specialty vehicle that God got me into with a lot of a, a lot of uh, uh, upgrades and all kinds of uh, extras that they did to it. Yeah, they boosted the horsepower, but they did all kinds of other stuff to it. And does it make me happy? Yes. But I thought God, this is the, this thing is like a magnet for guys. This is like a witnessing tool. Lord, let it be for your glory. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. And even there at the dealership, just talking with the salesman. Every time I go to see him now, like I just had an oil change, we sit down and he'll start talking about Jesus and I'll talk about the Lord. And then other guys around the place, they'll start talking about the Lord. That's that's all it's about. We may talk, we may talk about some other things, but we're going to bring it right back. I'm going to bring it right back to the glory of the Lord, giving him All the credit now concerning your heart's desire. If you'll commit to give God all the credit for it, all the glory for it, whenever there's attention that's that's uh, gained by it, then uh, I'm just saying it's it's very interesting how fast these things can get unleashed and brought into your life. Praise God! Now we were just in Charlotte at our um, television recording studio. And shooting some commercials for the next season of programs that we're going to be uh, releasing to the networks. And when I finished uh, recording for the day, one of the one of the cameramen who had heard one of my testimonies from a previous recording session, uh, uh, he said, uh, he said, Stephen, I I remember what you talked about last time you were here, and so he'd been thinking about it. The gears were turning. And I had basically talked, uh, talked about a heart's desire that God did for me. He said, you know, I was thinking about that. And he said, you know what? I want one. I want one also. Can you recommend um, something for me? And I, cause I told him what God had done for me. And he said, I want one too. And see, God will do it for anybody. But I will say this with what God did for me. I told the whole world. I went on uh, the recording there in the studio, and that, that's going to go out all over the place. Um, uh, you, you know, we've, we have talked with the various networks, and we combined it all together. There is a potential viewing audience of over a billion people. So I just got on TV and pre-recorded the message and basically said, God, I give you all the glory. And Lord, I give you all the credit for what you did because there was an item that all over America, people were wanting at one time, this certain thing. And even even now when there has been some lifting of the intense demand, it's still almost impossible to get uh, what I was able to receive. But I said, God, this is a heart's desire. And if you do this for me, I'll give you all the credit. I'll give you all the glory. And um, I I have done that. And if you are willing to do that, Then, then my friends, God will do it. I remember one time I was in a different vehicle, another vehicle, previous vehicle that God had blessed me with, one that I really really liked as well. And I got out of the gas station, and a guy saw me filling up with gas. He said, "Man, that's a mean looking vehicle. Man, that's phenomenal." He said, "Did you get it like stock like that, or did they have to do all kinds of aftermarket?" I said, "It came, it came sold just like this. They had already." baked all of these accessories into it. I said, this is the vehicle that Jesus blessed me with. He said, oh, he said, I don't want to hear that. Well, he didn't want to hear it, but he sure liked my, my ride, praise <laughs> the Lord. See, I don't, I don't really care uh, what the reaction is going to be. I'm just going to give God the credit. And if you'll, if you'll just stay on that, that path of praising God, directing all credit to him. Now, people are going to try to give it to you but if you'll just do the best you can to just, you turn it, or I wouldn't say you turn it back to them. I'd say, uh, somehow turn it up, up to God. Then God will keep on smiling and he'll do amazing, amazing things for you. Now think right now about what you want your heart's desire to be. If God were to do this for you, will you around your relatives give Jesus credit for it. Well, you know, uh, they they, they don't believe in Jesus. They're probably going to mock and ridicule me. Well, then if you're not willing to stick your neck out for Jesus, then he probably figures you can do without it. But if you're willing to give God praise, hallelujah, hallelujah. God will do, God will do amazing things for you. And let me say this, don't back out on God when you commit. And then he does it. Um, You know, I don't. I don't think you're gonna do something crazy, right? Like the guy that had the AIDS and got healed and went back out there. You know, see, that was all for his glory. That's all for his strength and his energy. Why? Because he he's got his own life. He don't have time for church. He just needs to be healed. God heal me. (laughs) Kind of reminds me of those that come. They come to church only three times. They come for Easter. They come for Christmas, and then they come when they die for their funeral. That's that's about it. But we're not we're not living like that. We're living all out for God. Keep this in mind. One of my favorite people in the Bible, uh, this is real brief. You can't help but like him. I mean, whatever you read about him, as his, as his uh, ministry is, or I shouldn't say ministry, but as his kingship is rising and he's going from a low place to a high place, you can't just say, I really love this guy. This guy, uh, he's, he's really dialed in with God. And this, my friends, is King Uzziah. And God did so many amazing things for him, but Uzziah he had a bad ending. So we want to stay very very steady with giving God all the credit that is due him. Look at this very quickly, 2nd Chronicles chapter 26, verse 14. Then Uzziah prepared for them for the entire army, shields, spears, helmets, body armor, bows and slings to cast stones. And he made devices in Jerusalem, invented by skillful men to be on the towers and the corners, to shoot arrows and large stones. So his fame spread far and wide, for he was marvelously helped. Now, listen to that. He was marvelously helped till he became strong. Till he became strong. It's just like anything he wanted. It was happening. God was doing things for him. Boom, 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 boom. And he and God were just... Working together so smooth until he became strong. But when he was strong his heart was lifted up to his destruction, for he transgressed against the Lord his God by entering the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of the incense. And nobody was allowed into uh, the holy place except for the priest and the king got out of his office and he wanted to branch or, or just step or intrude into what we would call the ministry or the priestly function. And I tell you what, he got struck with leprosy and he died a leper and he never repented. He never humbled himself and said, Oh God, I missed it. You've done so much for me. You were the one that lifted me up. You were giving me hearts, desires, one after another, after another. And you made me so strong. And then when he got to the top, he got lifted up in pride. And let me say this, you can have God give you your heart's desire. But if you start to get lifted up in pride or in arrogance, and you start taking the credit for yourself, and you enjoy people saying all those nice things about you, and you start to think, you know what? Yeah, I have done a lot. I have accomplished a lot. Watch out. Don't be another Nebuchadnezzar who ends up out in the field eating grass like an ox with nails five inches long, with uh, the dew of heaven just dripping down on him, hair super long. He completely lost his mind because he did not give the glory or the credit due to God. And how much of it is due to him? One hundred percent of it. Again, let's close with Romans chapter 11, verse 36. For of him, that's God, for of him and through him and to him are all things that include your heart's desires to whom be glory forever. Amen. It's all for his glory. It's supposed to all be for his glory. If it's not, you really need to get that ironed out with the Lord, or you could be, as they say in sports, riding the pine for a real long time. That means you're on the bench and you're never called into the game. You're not going to see the manifestation. So you need to talk with the Lord. And these are the kind of talks that you can't always just get this um, uh, ironed out. You know, real quick, uh, it might take a few days to pray through it. Nothing wrong with that. That's just part of our human nature. (laughs) We have to deal with that. (laughs) Praise God. But we really do want to give the Lord all the glory. Don't be like, you know, the guy that touched the ark. Uzzah. He, uh, we, so we've talked about Isaiah. Now here's another guy, very similar name, Uzzah, and the uh, the oxen stumbled, and he reaches up to stabilize the ark uh, that's riding on the cart. And of course, it's never supposed to be pulled by oxen in the first place. It's supposed to be transported by the priest with the special poles and all of that. But they're not following the instructions as God required, and he reaches up and touches the ark. What does he do? He touches the glory. And, uh, he died instantly. Anytime you take glory or you tried to take credit yourself, uh, you're, you're, you're already in trouble. You need to hit the floor immediately and repent and get right with the Lord. I talked to a pastor one time in a, uh, I won't say the, I can't even say the county because he's so well known in the county, but this was in California. And he told me, he said, Stephen, at one point in my ministry, I got very, very arrogant he said, I had thousands in my church and, uh, he said, I began to teach along the lines of eschatology in the book of revelation. And he said, it wasn't really my specialty, but I was teaching and these were my beliefs. And if you didn't like it, well, too bad. This is the way it is. And so he had a, he had, would have couples like husbands and wives. Sometimes that would come up and say, uh, that's an interesting, uh, angle of how you've taught the revelation uh, we're not quite sure if we agree with that or not, but, uh, thank you for teaching it. And he was like, well, if you don't agree with it, you can leave. And he said, can you believe I was actually that arrogant? I mean, this is like what happened to Isaiah. And he said, he decided to seek the Lord. And when he sought the Lord, he sensed that God was not pleased with him. And that if he didn't change, he's in, he's in trouble. And uh, he said, Stephen, I humbled myself. He said, I realized I've been acting crazy. And he humbled himself and of course, when you humble yourself, you bow. And he said, I bowed and I just went through a whole time and it took weeks and weeks for me to just get on my face, prostrate spiritually before God. He said, while I bowed, he said, a pendulum of divine justice swung through the county and pastors all over the county began to fall that were not right with God. And the, the main reason these pastors fell that did fall The reason they were not right was because of what their pride and every single one of them, God had done so much for, I mean, you talking about heart's desires. There was nothing that they wanted that they didn't have and they collapsed. They failed when that pendulum swung. But he said, it was during the time I was deeply repenting, of my pride and when the when the blade swung of divine justice it didn't cut me down because i was laying prostrate (laughs) or he said i'd have been a casualty just like them only by the mercy of god praise god talk with the lord about that your heart's desire is it is it solely for you does it glorify you does it is does it simply make you happy or is it solely for the glory of god Mm, mm, mm. And if it is, you'll get that. And if you get if you get that, you get everything else with it. And then, trust me, it'll certainly make you happy. Praise the Lord! Praise the Lord! Lift up your hands, Father. I pray for your people today. I pray that as they talk with you in their prayer time in their secret place, that concerning their heart's desire. That I, I pray, Father, that they consider this third step. Yes, is it scriptural? Yes, is it your will? But also, is it for your glory? And I pray, Father, that there not be any quick response. Oh, yes, it is. But, Father, I pray that it would be a response that comes out of a time of absolutely knowing and a commitment to give you all of the glory. Father, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Can I tell you a secret? Why do revivals end? I know they're very demanding. I know for a man of God or a woman of God to be leading a revival, uh, it takes tremendous devotion, dedication. Um, it, it takes your, your everything. But why do revivals end? I'll tell you exactly why they end because whoever was leading that revival and whoever the spirit of God was working through their heart got lifted up. And the moment your heart gets lifted up, what happens? God's grace pulls back. What happens if there's no grace? You just flat out run out of steam. And if you don't get that straightened out, uh, then you could end up with a, a huge collapse All revivals have ended because at one point or another, the leader got lifted up in his heart. Even William Seymour, the great man of God, used in the Azusa Street revival. You're talking about power, the power of God present in those meetings, 1906 to 1909. There were miracles that were just off the charts. And he would go into the service and he would put a crate, like a, a box, over his head in while he's sitting on the front row so that he could pray and continue to get the direction of the spirit for what's supposed to what he's supposed to say or do and well pastor Stephen, that make a person look like an idiot to sit on the front row and put a put a orange a box, an empty box of uh, a empty orange crate box on your head you'd probably look really weird yeah but god was moving because of the humility and they were giving all the glory. You know, they, you know when, they, uh, when those who have studied that revival, you know when they say that the glory began to lift and the grace began to lift? When, Pastor Stephen, when Seymour stopped putting that box on his head? I mean, it just almost started to lift immediately, they said. Why? We're strong now. We've got thousands of people coming to every service, all just around the clock. We're strong now. We have a mailing list of 30,000 people. Yep, we have our own magazine publication going out now. We're strong now. You didn't start off like that. What did Samuel, the prophet, say to Saul? When you... Now Saul's the king, right? But now he's not obeying the Lord. He's being stubborn. And Saul said, when you were little in your own eyes... In other words, before you came king, and you were humble, and everybody liked you, and when you were little in your own eyes, you know, basically God was working through you. But now that your heart has become lifted up, and you're not doing what God's telling you to do, um, it's basically over with before it even really gets started. Now, Saul's kingship continued on for years but it was, it was over. The writing was already on the wall. The prophecy had already been said. God's through with you. You're fired, but you can continue the work until the new guy comes in. The new guy was David. <laughs> praise the Lord. <laughs> oh, praise God. All right. So I'm just sharing this today because God wants you to have your heart's desire. But remember, God wants you to be healed. God wants you to be saved. But what's the whole purpose of all of it? That God be glorified. And if it's not for his glory, then we need to examine what are our motives for why we want what we want. Praise the Lord. All right. If you're watching today and you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, right now, he's waiting for you to call him. You don't need a a telephone for this. You just need to pray. He's listening right now. If you want to get your life right with God, pray this prayer after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. But you died to save sinners like me. Jesus, I repent of my sins. Turn from them. Come into my heart. Wash all of my sins away with your precious blood. Write my name in your book of life. I give my life completely to you now, and may it be for your glory. May my life glorify you from this day forward. Jesus, In your name I pray, amen, and amen. God has heard that prayer. Welcome to the family of God. Now, let's all take Holy Communion together. Grab some unleavened bread and some grape juice. I use these little sealed packets, which are very nice for travel, or even here in the studio, praise God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the bread, the juice, We bless it. And Father, we thank you that this is now set apart as holy through this prayer. And this is now the body, the flesh, and the blood of Jesus. So, Father, as we receive the flesh of Christ, let us examine our motives for our heart's desire. And let us also be completely willing to give you all the glory to give you 100% of the credit. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. Because, Father, it all belongs to you anyhow. (laughs) Thank you, Father, for the flesh of Jesus. We receive his body now. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's receive. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord Jesus. Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus. Cleansing from all of our sins. Cleansing from all unrighteousness. Father, we give you praise. We thank you, Father God. Father, if we have ever endeavored to take the credit, we just repent. and We thank you, Father, in many ways, this complete human nature. But, Father, it's, it's us trying to be God, and we can't do that, nor are we capable of that. So we give you all the glory, and you alone are God, and you, are, you alone are deserving of the glory. Thank you, Father, for the blood of Jesus. Now, Father, you're going to allow us to be in the kabod, the glory, the weighty glory. But Father, that glory is yours, and we give you all the praise. Hallelujah. Father, let every healing be for your glory. Every deliverance for your glory. Every salvation for your glory. All that we do for your glory. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's receive the blood of Christ. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Blessed, blessed be the name of the Lord Jesus. Praise the Lord. My friends, thank you for joining me today. Thank you also this week, if you haven't yet, thank you for sowing your tabernacle dream seed. Praise God. I'll be praying over every offering that comes in. Thank you for supporting the ministry and helping us to reach further with the good news of Jesus Christ. I look forward to seeing you back next time. Bye-bye.